Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's Flames Nation Radio, episode 29. He's Shane. I'm Ryan. How you doing, everybody? Shane, Shane, uh in his new abode where uh and he looks he looks remarkably his hair looks great i don't know if he like did something different he's got the he's got the fancy ponytail he looks like he trimmed up the beard he's ready for the playoffs yeah i I got a head start on the playoff in about two years so seriously i think i think i think i started this thing when they were in the bubble playing winnipeg (laughs) as 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 always we're brought to you by doordash and by the fine folks at eau claire distilleries makes Rimper's whiskey the official whiskey of the calgary flames still available and if you're looking for uh for a drink to potentially celebrate uh between zero and 16 postseason victories no better no better uh, beverage to use than the official whiskey of the calgary flames uh it's been an interesting week chain so since we last chatted in this in this particular format uh the calgary flames as of last week had clinched a playoff spot uh, in the last seven days they have clinched the pacific division meaning for the eighth time in franchise history they will be hanging a banner from that awkward metal ventilation thing in the at the 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 one end of the scotia bank sat alone uh the last time they did that in 2019 they had no ceremony or celebration whatsoever because of what followed uh a very unceremonious dispatching at the hands of the colorado avalanche uh, uh Kristen anderson formerly of post media now the calgary stampede very aptly uh, positioned it as the gentleman's sweep where Colorado at least let the flames win a game first before they just destroyed them this year. Things look a little bit different. Uh, first of all, uh, we, we, for those of you, we're, we're recording this on, uh, on Wednesday evening. So it's the off night between uh, uh, there's a three and four stretch that the flames are doing to, to finish off the regular season. Uh, so they're playing, they played on Tuesday in Nashville in uh, something that can only be described as holy crap, what a hockey game. I mean, it, it was a game so back and forth and full of stuff happening that by the time regulation ended, I tweeted, go home, Calgary, Nashville, you're drunk. Uh, there were like multiple every fights. Game they've played recently, like skip the bubble year. It's yeah. insane. Yeah, there was there was multiple fights uh, in one period. Uh, there was, uh, you know, uh, Young, young Mr. Matthew Kachuk ran afoul of Matthew Shane. Uh, basically, Matthew Shane and, uh, you know, let's be honest, if you're standing next to Matthew Kachuk at a faceoff, uh, he will try to get position on you because he just, he's just a competitive guy. He's just wired that way. So he put his stick into Duchesne's uh, hands. 
uh, Duchesne stood up and basically said, what the hell, man? And as he was just gesticulating up, for lack of a better term, he gestured up, the uh, Kachuk stick rode up his glove and smacked him in his own face. Uh, if you, there's, uh, there's a few angles on the replay that make it look like Kachuk flat out smacked him in the face. He smacked him. Granted, you should probably be holding your stick so that it doesn't ride up on a guy's face, but you're also not expecting a guy to put his glove underneath your stick and lift it up. So, no, there's really, there's really, there's really, you can say both of them to blame, but if functionally speaking, Matthew Shane high sticked himself in the face and got mad Shane at Matthew Kachuk and then aggressively, aggressively speared Kachuk. Was, I didn't like he, that. It was a near miss. He, he didn't really make much contact with him, which is probably the only reason why he only got, uh, I think he had an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. So it was part of a, a, a period where I think there was 34 minutes in penalties in the first period. I think uh, there's a lot of penalties overall. There was, you know, last minute goals, wild swings, uh, you know, uh, USA Soros left the game with uh, what looks to be a lower up body injury, which as of this mor- as of this afternoon will officially uh, rule him out for the last two games of Nashville's regular season. Nashville has clinched a playoff spot and we'll get into that a little bit later, but for the time being, at least at the very least for the last two games of, of the regular season uh, where the, the two games that will determine if, Nashville plays Colorado or the Calgary Flames, as in the difference between what Daryl Sutter calls eight days wasted and a series with the Flames. It's David Riddick's net for the time being. And David Riddick is, to put it mildly, not as good a goaltender this year as you say Saros. So that's going to be fun. I wouldn't be shocked to see them eventually turn to Connor Ingram. Like it's, it's Dave slander, but he's the guy that's, He's he's an older goalie prospect, twenty three or twenty four years old. At least he Connor Ingram has been in starting somewhere. He's been good in Milwaukee. Connor Ingram has been starting in Milwaukee, and he's pretty good in Milwaukee. I mean, difference between the NHL and the AHL. But David Riddick has not played a lot, and when he's played, he hasn't played particularly well. Uh, if you look at the the backup goaltender numbers for the Flames, uh, comparing David Riddick's numbers even less last year to. Uh, Dan Bladar's numbers this year, the Flames upgraded, and they upgraded at, at pennies on the dollar. So we love Big Save Dave. Uh, Dave Riddick, uh, I, you know, covered him for several years when he was at the Flames organization. Just an, a peach of a human being, Fantastic. great guy, you know, good person, good in the community, really fun, you know, really good sense of humor about himself. You know, he doesn't take life too seriously. You know, you, you wish he's one of those guys that you root for and you wish him well, but, thing, you know, things are going to have to go well for Dave for Nashville not to have a nervous couple of weeks here so other than that though I mean but if, if can, I were being blunt if I'm going to be blunt be blunt they, they don't have anybody that could replace Saros Saros should in my in my opinion be on lots of people's Vesna ballots like he he has been one of the top five goalies in the league this year you can't. You don't just replace that. So he's if he's, he's, for any he's the most time he's, national. He's the most used goal. goaltender in the National Hockey League this year, in part because Nashville really, really likes him. He's good. So uh, the thing you've learned in Calgary is when you have a goaltender that's really good, you play the hell out of him because he's good. It's like the you know. But here's an example. Uh, again, it's an apples and oranges comparison, and I apologize to everyone for for for, you know, the, the mixed metaphor, but let's go this way. The Calgary Flames have a Johnny Goudreau. And if you look at the, they actually, uh, I've seen this done in a couple of broadcasts. I think it was done on the, the Sportsnet broadcast during the, during the Tuesday night game against Nashville. Uh, 
Johnny Gaudreau plays a lot less than a lot of the top 20 scorers in the league on a per game basis. Uh, we, we did a comparison. Basically, if you look at his, his overall, his five on five play, especially him, just him compared to uh, Austin Matthews, he's played someone like 40 or 50 or 60 minutes fewer than Austin Matthews. He's basically played like an F, you know, a, in the same amount of games played significantly fewer games in terms of uh, minutes than Austin Matthews. And, you know, it, it takes some restraint to not play your really good players a ton, because if you, it's like, if you have a, if you have a McDavid or you have a, a, a Gaudreau or you have a Markstrom or you have a Saros, the temptation is, well, why don't you use him then? That's why you paid for him. And the short answer is you kind of want to leave some gas in the tank for the postseason. And, you know, what happened with Saros was basically by all accounts, it looks like a freak injury. You know, it's these things. Yeah, I hardly even noticed what happened like in real time. Looked like just he, all the time. Like he bonked was... his foot going post to post or jammed his ankle or something. I don't know. They the predators are being very tight lipped about this, as you would imagine they would be, uh, given uh, you know, it's playoff time and no one's gonna, you know, the, it, let's be completely honest, folks. If a player lost both of his arms and legs, uh, the team would say he's day to day because it's playoff time and there's really no competitive advantage in telling everybody, you know, Daryl Sutter flat out said, you know, during the, the California swing, one of his media availabilities that he's done talk, giving us media, you know, giving us media types lineup or injury updates, because there's simply no, there's no incentive for him to do it. There's no advantage to him to do it. So, uh, Soros, you know, it's, it sucks. It sucks for Nashville because, you know, Nashville at the height of their powers versus a lot of other teams would be a wildly entertaining series. I think at the end of that, uh, the game on Tuesday night, all of us were saying basically one or we said a combination of things and uh, chime in here, uh, Shane, if you notice me missing anything, one, you're saying, holy cow, can we do this four to seven more times? Because that was just a wildly entertaining hockey game mm-hmm. Two, holy cow. Dylan Dubé appears to have awoken from his slumber just in time for the postseason, just yeah. like he did in 2020. Cause he yeah. was decent. He was one of their best players in the bubble. He, hands uh, up. Dylan, Dylan Dubé was a pretty good player in the 1920 season up until the, the, the stoppage. He was, he wasn't great. He was playing on the third line. I believe he was mostly, correct me if I'm wrong, I might be misremembering this because it was two years ago. He was playing primarily on a line with Milan Lucic, and I forget who the third player was. It often rotated. I think at times, at, for actually it was Derek Ryan. It was Derek Ryan yeah. was their, was their, their right shot center playing in the middle of those two guys. And so that they they were really good third line and Dubé when he came back for the from in the bubble just went off like he went ham as the kids say and he was he was very very good and he he's also been, though he also back then he had a lot of defensive like he 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 wasn't playing on the the defensive side of the puck as good which allowed him to play a lot of offense like like cheat a little cheat a little bit but the whole team was doing well, even that. even now though I mean he's you know he's. Even even at his the height of his powers in junior, he was he's never been renowned as an amazing defensive player. He's no. he's been an adequate to above average defensive player, and he just you know we've seen it at the World Juniors, we've seen it at in junior, we've seen it at times in the NHL. Now he has the ability to just sort of rise to the occasion, and he has that competitive jam in his game that he just sort of finds ways to muck around. And so right now, though, I think the fact that he's playing with Callie Arncroft, who's a really, really good two-way center, uh, mm. not backland good, but close, and Coleman. playing with Blake Coleman. Blake Coleman is just Blake Coleman. Coleman is just a guy you want to be playing with this time of year. 
that's the guy you want to be watching. I, I think I think the the, the the head coach and the general manager will be mad if at some point we didn't refer to him as two-time defending Stanley Cup champion Blake Coleman because the Flames the Flames thought that there there was there were certain attributes that the Flames between the head coach and the general manager and other members of the the brain trust felt that they were lacking. Some of them were some size in the blue line, so they go out and they get a Nikita Zadorov and an Erica Branson. Branson was also brought in because they felt they needed a guy with a sweet beard and a good jawline who can kill penalties. Uh, as an aside, is there a more purely handsome player on the team than Erica Branson? I mean, we're I think we're you know we're we're, we're comfortable enough with our own masculinity to be able to admit when another man is handsome. He's just a he good looking. Looked, he looked the other day when he was accepting the Peter Mar Award. He looked like he was a straight out of Top Gun. He, like, he, he, he looked like jacket, he looked like he was cut. on his way from like he was looking like he was going to shoot like a, a, a catalog boat for like he needs like some, some fancy sunglasses or something. That's really the only yeah, thing on the highway. He, actually, he had the sunglasses, I think. So, yeah, I mean, they brought but they brought in Erica Branson in addition to, to having a high handsomeness for 60 for they wanted to have somebody who can play those tough minutes in the D zone and kill penalties. Uh, and so they got that. They also wanted to have, you know, the, again, the, the, the phrase a couple of years ago from Bradshaw Living was they relied on too few to do too much. And so they got, you know, if the idea is, man, Elias Lindholm is really good. Holy cow, they're playing Elias Lindholm too much in too many areas. So you go out and you get a Blake Coleman. So you don't need to play and keep and shift him on the PK. Yeah, and keep penalty penalty situations. If you look at some of the guys that Flames brought in, you'll notice that you know Tyler Toffoli is killing penalties. Uh, Yarncroke killing penalties. Blake Coleman killing penalties. They brought in a lot of and, and Ryan Carpenter he plays kills penalties, and they brought Trevor Lewis kills penalties. They brought in a lot of guys because. I think they felt they had a few guys that they were just sweet trying to get too much juice out of the oranges from. And at a certain point, you know, much like if we use the, the uh, you know, the the example of you say Saros, and again, that's just a, a freak injury with dumb luck. But the more juice you try to squeeze out of the oranges, at some point, the oranges are just like, okay, we're done. And if there's a certain, if every player has a certain amount of hockey in them, good hockey in a year, and they have a certain amount of hits they can take and shots they can block and whatever. At a certain point, luck runs out. And the easiest way to have your luck run out is, or the luck not run out, is to spread it around. So I think the Flames did a really nice job spreading it around. And I think because they've done that, they have some different guys who can who have some juice left in the tank to play with Dylan Dubé when, when the minutes start to matter more. And as a result, I mean, Dylan Dubé, especially that second goal that he oh, scored. So I, that's what I wanted to talk about. The second, just so, so folks, just so, just to, 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 to set up the play, setting up the play here. Uh, so Dylan Dubé, the middle of the second period, uh, the Flames are down 2-1. Dylan Dubé, basically, uh, he, he accepts a pass in the neutral zone, and he starts wandering into the uh, the zone for uh, the Nashville and Nashville has some guys back. They have two, maybe three. I think definitely two defensemen just back. They're in the defensemen are in position, they're back, they're, but they give them the zone. They they, them well, the here's zone. here's the thing. So uh, Dubé just he notices that there's no one no one actively checking him. The guys are, are maybe like you know high slot. They're above the circles, and he's sort of CCS in space. And he says, "Okay, I'm gonna see what I can do here." And he just turns on the motor and he starts coming at them. And the defensemen are looking back. They, they're sort of see there's some flames in the neutral zone. So is Dubé going to 
go to the net? Is Dubé going to curl back and wait for help? Is Dubé going to try to try to split the D? They're not sure what he's doing. So they back up because they haven't, they, because of Dubé's speed, they don't have a lot of time to figure out what he's doing. And so coming in full bore and you're not already moving backwards, you're beat. Yeah. And so, and so, so right away they're, they're doing, they're doing what you expect and what you're taught to do as a defensive player, where one in doubt back in a bit and give yourself a time to process what the hell he's doing. And so they do that. And as as they're backing up, Dubé sees that they're not challenging him. And so he just leans into one and picks the corner. It's top right above his shoulder. Yeah. So for the great, right over Saros. It's a a tough shot for the goalie to process because it's far enough out. I don't even think, I think he might've basically got to the top top of the circle. Yeah, he but it's out. still like he had some. He, it was a tough one because if you're tracking it, you don't know if he's going to do anything interesting with. It. He's basically he has yeah, he the problem with Saros is he's standing there going trying to process what he's doing. He sees his defenseman back up and he's going, oh, "Wait, what's going on?" And all of a sudden, ping, you know, in the net. So that that's just a great. That's just an individual play. That's just what in the down. There's no downside if you're Dubé of making that play because you know there's four guys back and wearing wearing red and white so you can just challenge the goalie if it goes in great the game's tied if it doesn't go in you probably get a wacky rebound you get you know the more pu- you get pucks bouncing around in chaos with your buddies helping you so there's there's no downside it was it was just a really savvy smart play by a smart player he's got eight goals in his last seven games which is nuts and if you look at him most of them are from distance like he's using his shot like even on the, the power play goals, they're not in they're not in tight crease bangers. He he's taking shots from between where the hash marks and the top of the circle are, and he's beating goaltenders clean. He is using his shot and he's finding space to use his shot better than he's ever has. And that is dangerous because if he can if he can consistently at the NHL level have the ability to beat these skilled goaltenders. And, and UC Soros is not a bad goaltender. He beat him twice from distance. If you can do that consistently, and he's been doing it by pull up. I mean, let's, let's, let's give him, let's give credit where it's, credit, let's get credit for the goaltender where it's due. The first goal is a power play goal off a really nice cross team pass from Backland that, that Dubé basically received and fired right away. So mm-hmm. it's not like Soros had a chance to square up to him and he got, he got beat like he did in the first on the, or in the second one rather. So that, that was just, it was a really nice performance uh, in a game that the Flames, like last night was, you know, Tuesday night was not a game the Flames needed to have. It was a game the Flames would love to have because it got them to 50 wins uh, for the third time in franchise history. It got them to 25 road victories for the first time in franchise history. And it was a statement game. And the statement, you know, the statement is like, imagine how frustrated Nashville must be. Nashville was up multiple times in this game and the flames came back they tied it with 0.1 second like a tenth of a second left in regulation through a hole in david riddick's pet you know basically a hole in his padding like he couldn't square he didn't square up he didn't seal off the the post at all and boink right you know it's just a, somehow found a sh- i have no idea how matthew he, chuck picked that spot yo that's not, that was insane like he that was he was happenstance right like it was like like you just you're just trying to get it like you you realize there is no time left and you were just hail marrying let's throw it that's full-on riddick 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 whatever he's got a, his paddle's not flat riddick is his paddle's there, not paddle, flat and he's not sealing off the he's post not either. sealed and he's angled it's angled 
and it literally just rides up the stick. His the goalie stick through him. Like all he has to do is be square to his post, and that that's not a, I, the I think, game's I, over. I think the win. challenge is like a six on a six on five at a bit of a gong show in his own end with his own teammates running around a bit. And granted, I mean when you're in there, you know, with Riddick rather than rather than Saros, you're you're going to be a little bit you know a little bit squirrely to begin with, but. I didn't think that Nashville defended that very well. I thought the Flames did a nice job sewing chaos. If you're Riddick in the goalie's Anderson defense, recovers the puck don't, about 10 seconds earlier. If you're Riddick, you have no idea if they're going to try to put it out front. If they're going to try, like, you don't know what, what, especially knowing Matthew Kachuk, you have no idea what he's going to do from that spot beside you. So you, he basically half committed to sealing it off and he half committed to putting his paddle down to block the path. Like it's like he, he basically didn't commit to any particular move. And as a result, it got through him. I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough situation for a goalie being thrown in, but I mean, it, as, as Daryl Sutter would say, that's the job. But, but about 12 seconds, 12 seconds before that one of, I think Anderson or Gaudreau tried to take a shot from the point and it didn't go through. And it was, there was a loose puck. That puck was loose. And Anderson's the one that, picked it back up and they don't panic. There's, there's consistent pressure on them in the zone and they just find the next open guy and they just keep finding the next open guy in a circle or back or whatever around the perimeter until someone leaves them alone is until someone misses that. And the second they get any sort of space, now they're set up and they got set up and they slowly close the circle to the point where Gaudreau was at the blue line. When the, when he Gaudreau made his last pass to, uh, Anderson before it went down low they were all in the top of the circle like they had all condensed and just like trapping Nashville and slowly squeezing them and if you're the goalie and I just love watching it they, 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 the, the, them prioritizing possession and good chances instead of just throwing crap on net from the point that is why Calgary can win these games I, I think you and I would both agree on this that's a game they lose a year ago that's a game they lose the last five years. Yeah. And the only, you know, team, with the, the only team with the vibes to even do that was the 14, 15 flames. And those weren't good vibes. They were trailing, not be for good reasons. That was, that year. was, that, the, that team was pure chaos in every, yeah. every aspect of the game. So, like I mean, this, this just felt like, like even with a down, like even Lucic took that penalty. Lucic killed Duchesne, by the way. I mean, that I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I'll, 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 two things about that hit. One, I love that hit. Two, that's a stupid hit. That was terrible. That like was a it's, clear it's, penalty. It was it's so clear late. interference slash charging, whichever you want. It was definitely a penalty. It was rightfully it's called a penalty. Goal. I, I was just thinking there. I was like, yeah, the hit was gorgeous. The pictures we was, got was, was, was the hit clean. It was a clean hit that you can see easily. Yeah, but it's basically you didn't hit the guy in the numbers. He saw you no. coming. You, you, you basically plowed him in the next week. Uh, you know, right, right now, I think, you know, his helmet landed in West Virginia or something running around basically. Well, I mean, like, you know, if, if the idea is I'll say this. So there, remember that game, I forget what team it was. I forget what game. Okay. Remember that that guy, the young guy who got uh, Tanev along the boards and Tanev had to leave for half a period or five minutes of the period to go get the concussion protocol at home. And I remember that because the flames lost that game because they were running around a lot basically they were trying, to, fight him. They were yep. trying to pound the kid into into submission and i mean i think that, that was I think that was only like two weeks ago too how it was two weeks ago and so i think the flames got a little bit carried away at times in this in the last game with the physicality of it 
That said, I think they were a lot less silly Keegan about Colesar. it. Keegan Coles are from Vegas. That was from the game Vegas. that got swamped six yep. one, but they also weren't they weren't playing hockey. They, they were, they were, they were the, the phrase I used in the in the, the recap on the site was in the Vegas game, I thought they were too focused on getting getting a pound of flesh rather than making passes or making smart plays. And the thing I thought they were better against Nashville with, especially on the road against a, a team that's in the playoffs, unlike Vegas, is I thought they were really good at they they were they were engaging physically, but it's not like they're pulling themselves out of position to try to hit a guy. They were making hits when the hits were available, but they weren't running out of position to get it. I still think at times the, the physical aspect of it got them away from what makes them effective. I think they, they took too many retaliation penalties. Daryl Sutter said as much after yeah, the game. So if you take out, if you take two, three penalties away from this game, it's a much closer game. It's more five on five time. And I think the more time you spend five on five, the more it plays more. into Calgary's favor. Yep. That said, that said, it's, you know, it, it, the hockey fan in me was like, you know what, heading into a possible playoff round, knowing that uh, Matt Duchesne almost, uh, you know, neutered, uh, literally, young Matthew Kachuk, you pro- that's probably not a terrible move for a fourth-line Milan Lucic to take. If the, ga- if the Flames were winning that game and Lucic takes that penalty, if they have a two-goal lead and Lucic goes and, and you know, plows him in the next week, I don't think we're really thinking about too much. I think we go, man, did you see that hit? And the Flames won. I think this, Nashville this- probably down two goals, and then that happened. I think Nashville would have reacted differently. Like, yeah. Nashville was up, and they were like, don't. Like, just yeah. everyone. Did. And then they got that pe- – and then I thought that penalty kill was very effective, and then it allowed them to flame. It was like, as soon as he took that penalty, I'm like, okay. They're well, they either- just allowed a goal in the previous two power plays. They're either well. going to get both, – both by Philip Forsberg. And oh I thought God, they're either going to get scored on right here or the game's going to swing because of this kill. And the game swung because of that kill, because of a half dozen guys they went out and traded for this year. And I, I thought that it was, yeah, if, if you want to, I think that after the game, you know, the players in the media availabilities were talking about how it's sort of a, a meaningful game and a statement game for them. And I mean, you only really decide yeah. those things in retrospect. I mean, if they go and they win a bunch of playoff games, you can look at that game and say, that's the style of game they need to play because outside of, outside of the, the too many penalties, I thought they had good intensity. I thought they had good execution. And I thought the players that you would like to have, have good games. I mean, who, who was really good in that game? Dubé was really good in that game. Anderson and Hannafin, your top defensive pairing, good in that game. Dan Vladar didn't really have a chance on three of the four goals he gave up. You can make and a case. He should have had, he might've, he probably wants to Philip Forsberg, the second the goal back. Second one. But yeah, it's him and Philip Forsberg. And Phillip there was Forsberg. no one in front of him. He just beat him clean short side. It's a good shot, but he beat him short side, glove side. And I think, you know, Vladar probably wants that one back, but the rest of them, like you had deflections, you have, Roman Yossi not really getting challenged at the blue line and being able to just lean into one. You had a one-timer for Philip Forsberg on the other power play goal. That so was, I, I think that was, and that that's on the defenders. They left that yeah. seam wide open. And I mean, and I'm let's credit where it's due. That's kind of the point of having a good power play. I thought Nashville had a lot of good puck movement that led to that. But I mean, overall, I think the flames, if you look at that game, what are the negatives? I mean, okay. They, had a dramatic come from behind win. They took points they away from the five from, on five. Play. They controlled five on five. They got better five on five as the game went on. They got their key players. They got points. They got goals from key players. They got good performances from key players. Their backup goalie allow, got them another win. And they didn't allow at five on five. They didn't allow anything from the slot, like nothing from the middle of the ice. 
Yeah, like so, if, if, if the idea is that's meant to be a dress rehearsal for the postseason, I think that was a good one. Uh, they also have coming up uh, Thursday, Friday, they're playing Minnesota, who are a damn good playoff team, and Winnipeg, who are not. But Winnipeg, we plan for the Winnipeg's going to be full of piss and vinegar because they're going to, you know, they're going to be just looking to, you know, what better, what better statement we'll game see, we'll for the Winnipeg Jets than playing a team that won the other division? So like, I, th- I think that's going to be an interesting game. The Minnesota, I'm going to, I love the Minnesota because they, they, you got to remember Calgary, Minnesota's on an absolute tear. Calgary got them earlier in the year when they were in their only slump of the year. Now, Calgary played them twice. Calgary kicked the crap out of them twice so much that the athletics Michael Russo went, holy crap, I really don't want to go through Calgary. And Russo's been around this game for a while. So Mike, Michael Russo is one of the smartest. He's, he's yeah. an exceptional writer. He was like, a smart guy. He was like immediately after that two games in like a week span was like, I want nothing to do with Calgary. And the, I think and I think that was part of the time. That was great. That was the, that January, February run where everyone started going, the Flames? What? Yeah. And Minnesota is going to, we know this for sure, going to play St. Louis. And St. Louis is big and St. Louis is heavy. So you bet they view this game against Calgary as a full-on ramp-up. And they are going to bring it. They have a 100-point scorer in Kirill Kaprizov, who is fantastic. They they have have a really good team there. They have one of the best defensive makeups for their centers. They have an all-pro rookie that's going to be a stud in this league in Matt Boldy. And they have a fantastic blue line with defensive stalwarts like Brodeen and Spurgeon, as well as offensive gifted, uh, gifted player like Dumba. And, and, and all two all world goaltenders, including the reigning Vesna champion. Before before we get into other stuff, we'll we'll get into some Calgary stuff in a sec. Just as an aside, holy cow, this is going to be a fun first round. We already had LA and, and Edmonton confirmed. Uh, we got St. Louis, Minnesota confirmed. Colorado will play either Dallas or Nashville. Calgary will play either Dash, Dallas or Nashville. Or Vegas. It won't be Vegas. I but know. Is it, isn't like that, this like the first round is always the best round? Now, apologies to every other round, but you know it's true. We got you know we're, we're getting we're getting Toronto, Tampa. We're getting Carolina, Boston, probably that first week. That first week, there's and you know what, Pike, my my school's done May third. Like a done done for the year, and so, you, you know what May third is though, right? What the two the first Tuesday? Yeah, yeah. yeah May third is probably the first. Start. Yeah, May third is probably the first day of the playoffs. Yeah, so. so it'll be just that week, that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, when there is four games a day. They're spread out because the NHL actually spreads their schedule out in the playoffs, so everyone can watch as many games as possible. It is the best week of hockey of the year other than maybe the world juniors i love the world juniors so that's why i say that but yeah it's, it's, gonna, be, it's, it's chaos. gonna be really good there are hearts broken early there are bruises more people probably get hurt and don't say anything in that week than any other week of the are, you, are you talking emotionally or physically both <laughs> that's yeah. true though that's true it's not, so, it's not lying. like especially like the older guys like there's guys uh, out east we're gonna get florida versus is it washington or it, it one of the wild cards there because I, I haven't looked at the eastern standings this week yeah i know there's watch. there's some play and it's the, the east has basically had the same eight teams locked in but there's yeah. been some movement at the bottom of the standings a little bit but literally eight eight ninth place is the islanders i think they're at like 82 points and eight does the caps not it's like a 12 or a 16 point difference it's 20 almost it's almost 20 points it's just not even it's not even close and so you gotta wonder out east how many of those teams have really been 
you know, we, we talked about the flames coasting, like by the time, like by the time that like, does that really benefit all those top teams or those younger teams that were trying to fight to get into like home ice advantage going to have the advantage of you. So it's going to be very interesting. I, I would never, I, my pick coming out of the East is still Tampa until someone actually beats them. I it's them. So, well, yeah, it, I, I think, I think uh, until someone beats Colorado or beats Tampa, I think those two are the teams to beat, but I mean, like it's, it's, I, it's, it's the hardest tournament in sports to win. It's the I hardest. I think whoever my, my bold prediction is whoever comes out of the Minnesota St. Louis series wins the central. I think they beat Colorado because of how good they are going to have to be to beat one another. Whereas Colorado waste eight days is most likely going to take Nashville or Dallas to the cleaners. Most likely. Okay. You know, like okay. That that's, that's a nice segue into the other thing I want to talk to you about. So we the, the most common question we've gotten outside of when is Johnny Gaudreau going to resign from Flames fans has been who who do you think is the easier slash better? It's usually a variation of those two adjectives. Easier slash better matchup for the Calgary Flames in the first round between Dallas and Nashville. And I think the thing is easier is not the better matchup for the Calgary Flames. The first round is just pure chaos unadulterated because the first round, like there's been plenty of teams that motor through a weak, weak, weak team in the first round and don't really get challenged too much. And then they don't really, they're not really battle ready for that second round matchup. Whereas, you know, like uh, here's an example. The, 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 if you look at historically at the, the best flames teams that they've had, the 19, the, uh, the 86 flames, uh, managed to get past Edmonton. Granted, that was the second round. The 86 Flames got past Edmonton and then had some gas in the tank left for all the other teams. Uh, the, the 89 Flames, that seven-game war with uh, the Vancouver Canucks, was like that. That's that's what got the, the – like the Flames got past Dan's meal, but that's that's what got them to the, to the dance. Uh, you know, the, the Flames had to prove to themselves – that they could make it. And it was that was the, yeah. the 80, the 88, the 89 flames. The, so in 88, the flames hosted the Olympics and won the president's trophy and then got dispatched in the second round. Wow. Uh, it was, it was a big disappointment for the club. Uh, the, the following year, they, you know, there was a lot of tittering around being like, yeah, the flames are pretty good, but they can't get it done in the playoffs. And they so couldn't beat the Oilers. But in 89, they, they, they didn't have to face the Oilers in 89. Right. They faced the Canucks and they like they almost tripped over their feet again, and then they were just they found a way to get through. In in '04, I mean that whole series like uh, fans of a certain vintage or vividly remember. Like I was watching Game Seven. I was 18 that year. I watched Game Seven in a bar da- down on uh, 17th Avenue, and the 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 emotional swings in that game. The Flames are up. The fan throws the jersey on the ice. Someone loses the puck. The Canucks go back the other way and score. Everyone's like, oh, no, it's happening again. Because at that point, the Flames hadn't won a playoff series in 15 years. And not only had they not won a playoff series in 15 years, they had lost playoff series in soul-crushing fashion. We're talking Esatikinen in overtime. We're talking Pavel Bure in overtime. We're talking that the Sharks and the Blackhawks embarrassing the Flames. They had found they they found ways, embarrassing, soul-crushing ways to lose hockey games. It, they were the, the up until 04 for 15 years in the regular season and the playoffs. The Flames were Charlie Brown 
and every other team was Lucy pulling the football away at the last minute. So couldn't do it. As Flames fans could never get comfortable. And even even the last few years, I can understand that you know there's probably a, that kind of sentiment in the fan base too in terms of going, oh well, maybe just give them an, an easy opponent. In, in in all due respect to the Vancouver Canucks, we have you know we have our colleagues in Vancouver, Chris Faber, David Quadrelli, a lot of other really fine people covering that organization. Really nice people. You'll never hear me say a bad thing about the Canucks, their fans, or their or the media. That said, the 15 Canucks were the most easy team for the Flames to play playing that first. Yeah, game. that it was. They were the two worst teams. They were 15 and 16 in they points. Were, the, the Vancouver Canucks were the only team the Flames were going to beat in that postseason, and they happened to meet them in the first round. And credit where it's due, the Flames were playing a beatable opponent, and they beat them. And it was a good series, but it was decisive. By the end of that series, I don't think you had anyone you know, wearing a blue sweater going, I don't know, if, if only so-and-so did something differently in that situation. Like, the games weren't close. The, the games the Flames won, we went, yeah, that's pretty good. One game, I thought. Yeah, and, and, you know, you had Derek Anglin fighting two guys at once. That was pretty fun. But, again, did, the, did that series do enough to prepare the Flames for Anaheim? No. Not in, and, not and, in any way, shape, and again, or form. They, they probably would have lost to Anaheim anyway because Anaheim was just really good. But uh, if in, in – in terms of Corey Perry, height of Corey Perry gets laugh years too. Yeah, right? But like, yeah, like in, in terms of in terms of if you if you wanted to go to the dance and you wanted to have a good showing, that was not the warm-up you wanted. Even even uh, though they won, it wasn't the warm-up they wanted. It wasn't it what didn't give them the type of thing they needed. Whereas the 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 2004 series against Vancouver, that was a really good Vancouver team. They had everyone available except for Tyler or for Trapertuzzi because of the reasons. They were also missing, you know, they lost a goalie during the series. They lost, you know, they, they had some injuries. Like the Flames did have some fortunate things happen. Flames had a lot. Tony Lidman didn't even play in the first round. Yeah. And he that, played that, the whole season. And, for and, and, and let's not let's not forget the context of uh, in the context of hashtag it was in. The Calgary Flames lost the Stanley Cup because they ran out of human healthy human beings Literally. to play Flames hockey. The, the, at that time, the Flames were splitting an affiliate with the Lowell Lock Monsters. They're splitting the Lowell Lock Monsters with the Carolina Hurricanes. The Flames did not have a full affiliate. They had maybe a dozen non-NHL players under, under contract to the point where ECHL defenseman Brennan Evans played two games in the conference final. Not, he didn't play a lot, but he played. They're basically playing with five defensemen and an ECHLer, and the five NHL defensemen playing ahead of him, none of them were healthy. So... The Flames lost that Stanley Cup not because of a goal judge or a goalie or whatever. They lost because they ran out of bodies. This was this was Germany invading Russia in 1944. They they ran out of bodies and they starved to death. That is what happened to the Flames. They did not have the the uh, the, the gas the tank to get it done because they simply ran out of human beings who could play their system. This year, so this that, year. this year. They have, like we're talking about, uh, you know, last uh, the the Calgary. Here's an example. So uh, on Tuesday night, the Calgary two games were played in the Calgary Flames organization. We've already talked at length about the win over Nashville, five four in overtime. They scored a game the game time goal with 0.1 seconds left in regulation. They won in overtime. Everyone they was also happy. Beat up on Dallas earlier in the week. Too. They also did. Uh, so the other game they played, the Stockton Heat played against the San Diego Gulls in San Diego. San Diego Gulls are the AHL affiliate of the Anaheim Ducks. Gulls, Ducks, thematic. I like the thematic link there. Good work naming. Uh, but they played San Diego, and they were missing 
AHL rookie goaltender, uh, Dustin Wolf, who is up with the Flames. As far as I know, he's still with the Flames. He's being sent back soon, probably. We'll get into that he's later. He's playing basketball right now. He's up and down, up and down, up and down. So the, they were missing Dustin Wolf, who was in the NHL. They were missing Glenn Godden, their first-line center, who was injured. Their other first-line center, Adam Rzichka, is also in the NHL. Their top-pairing defenseman for most of the year, uh, Connor Mackey, in the NHL. He's not coming back. Uh, the the uh, Yusuf Valimaki, their other first uh, first uh, pairing defenseman, most of the time, he sit he has uh, an illness, non COVID, wasn't playing. Uh, they're also missing. Uh, they're missing someone else's name. I forget. Uh, wh- whatever. Who they're oh, missing? Yeah, they're yeah. missing. They're missing a bunch of dudes, and not just dudes. Good players, but key players. They won. Four. They won <laughs> four to one to put themselves a win away or a Chicago Wolves loss away from capturing first overall in the American Hockey League. So not only are the Flames first in the Pacific, they're going to be pushing to potentially finish second in terms of overall seeding in the West, as in if second behind Colorado, if Colorado gets knocked out in any round of the playoffs, the Flames would have home ice advantage over everybody else. That's impressive. Uh, And so in addition to that, the, the Flames have a minor league team that has a lot of guys who can come in and play their system. A lot of guys who have come in and played their system or could play their system and a team and a bunch of guys who are used to playing on a good team and having a certain standard. So I think in terms of, in, if you're, if you're worried about specific things happening to the flames, are they going to owe for it up and run out of bodies? Probably not because they have like 20 guys in the farm system who can probably slot in. Even if I would even say their third, their, like the their quote unquote worst AHL defenseman who at this point would probably be some combination of Johannes Shinval, Ilya Solovyov, or Colton Pullman. You could slot them into the third pair of the Flames, put them with Tanev, and they'd be fine. You could, you could probably, with, you could honestly put you or put me with, with uh, do what you did with Zadarov and Gabranson really early to try and get their mojo back and just literally only ever give them offensive zone starts right like you will not see your own zone i mean in any way you, shape you, or form you probably you probably wouldn't want to use your your ahl defenseman in a here's, playoff series but they here's they'd my be okay. favorite thing about what's about to happen is daryl sutter properly manages team and their minutes all season long 82 games they didn't go we talked about everyone's like oh look at johnny's point per game is way higher points per 60 is way higher than anybody else i'm like that's true that's because Daryl has used everybody. Everyone plays 12 to 18 minutes, somewhere in that range night on, on average. They're not wore out. They're not as wore out as some of these other players playing 23, 24 minutes a night. Your body wears down, especially this year when the schedule is as compact as it is. So Calgary also has that benefit of probably, and I'm just guessing, I don't know for sure, being a little bit, they, they probably have more gas in the tank to start. Now, how they match up. I watched Vegas play Dallas the other night because that was the marquee game as soon as it ended. And the way Jake Ottinger played to end that period scared the life out of me. That guy was unreal. He's young. He was a first round pick. He deserves it. He's their guy. Like, like Bishop's out. They demoted Hudobin. It's because Ottinger has been their guy and he is their guy now. That makes, I'd be nervous though. He's, but I, I think the challenge is he's so young that you don't really know what you're going to get. But the, the reason he stood out so much is because when Jason Robertson and Rupe Hintz weren't on the ice, the puck was in the Stars zone the entire time. So, so you, you, that's one, one thing. The Stars are not the Stars of the bubble. They are not. 
They, they, Jamie Ben has lost a significant step. Tyler Sagan as well took a step back this year. They are completely driven on one line and the rest of their forwards really can't hold a candle. Calgary's depth should on paper take the crap out. The, the, the Calgary Dallas series feels like it'd be six games. The first two or three would be really close because Dallas has those veteran guys who can play in close and games. And yeah, and Mira High School. And they have, they can, they, you know, Rick Bonas has them playing with a lot of poise, a lot of composure. They play with structure. They have those big bodies. But I think over a six game series, first one or two games, close two, one, three, two games. And then gradually you lean on them. You have your, your, you have, you know, Brett Ritchie and those guys running around and hitting guys in the corners, Lucic hitting everything that moves over, wow. over a series. Those guys would slow down and at five and on five, I would like the flames in that series easily. And, and in a playoff game, you don't need to just roll four. You don't need to just roll four lines. You, if you want to straight up put Michael Backlund against Pinson Robertson all night and you have home ice, you can do it. And I don't think anyone's going to come like, like now is the time when you can play matchup games and your guys should be ready and able to do so. If you really feel like it, you could put Lindholm out against them as well. Like you could just straight up match the Lindholm backland or Lindholm Gadroka Chuck line up against that line. Cause then your second and third line, like Manjapani backland to Foley, it should run over Ben Sagan, Radulov or whoever their second line is right now. It should. So like, that's, that's very important. The Flames top four have been consistent all year long. And we mentioned Heiskanen. He's had up and down games this year. He's still a legit number one defenseman. He's also Heis- still under Heiskanen. Heiskanen is not having his, let's just call he's not having a Roman Yossi year. No, I, I don't think Heiskanen is going to get many, if any, Norris votes this year. He's good, but he's just not great this year. And that's fine. I mean, he's, like you said, he's young. He's really good. He's going to have those high school. He's going to have the, his Roman Yossi year. Like he's, he's uh, he a will, ton of potential. Yeah. He'll be a Norris contender a couple times in his career. I honestly but, Yeah. I, I think if, if the question is Nashville or Dallas, who do you like the flames against better? I think the flames do different things against both teams. I think the Nashville games would be more of what we saw on Tuesday. And I think over time, I think the flames would w- win a few close games and wear Nashville down and they, they'd have to out, out strategy them and out, you know, battle them i think the, the national games would be a war i think you know i think if we're gonna if we're gonna use some use some mixed metaphors nashville would be a knife fight or a trench war and i think and i think a dallas series would be more of a game of chess nashville has I think a bunch you of young guys too like like nashville and dallas both of these guys like rupe and robertson as well as Jeannot and Tom Tomasino, like a lot of the younger guys that either team rely on, they haven't done it yet. They haven't played in those big games. They really haven't got there. Like for now, a lot of Nashville and Dallas players have, they both, both teams have guys that have played in Stanley cup finals and lost. So not a lot of winnings pedigree on them. Like I believe who's got a cup on, uh, on Nashville there. Literally nobody. I can't remember. No, literally no one on Nashville. They all they, a bunch been to the final, but no one's got a cup from Nashville. And Tyler Sagan has a cup from Dallas. That's it. That's it. That's that's the extent of their things. Luke Glendening doesn't. Radic Faxa doesn't. None of the guys they brought in do. Vladislav Um, He's kind of 
been pretty good sneaky good sneaky good ad for them deadline ad for them but uh honestly both of the both of them probably don't want to play either colorado or calgary let's be real they, neither of them want to do it but they will because they're, they're both gonna have to gotta have to but you want to win you want to win you got to beat good teams and calgary yeah everyone looks for the easiest matchup honestly the players just need to be focused on their next shift just have a good next shift every single time don't worry about the next period don't worry about game two or game three just worry about your next shift being your best shift and you have to keep that mentality for two months if the if the flames can play with the level of you know uh let's just say battle level for lack of a better term if they can play with that urgency in that battle level and they can rein it the you know, they can rein in the type of silly penalties that we saw against nashville i like their i like their chances i mean, and i, I they think gotta play the game They've got a coach that has the pulse on it. They all they all mention it too. Every one of their pressers, they even Luch was mentioning the other day at uh, when him and Kachuk did the post game. Daryl's been on them for 15 games now. Like, hey, let's get into playoff mode. Like, no time to mess around. So they got a coach that gets it, and he's got the he's got enough rings to fill two fingers and enough finals appearances to. to he knows he knows how to do it. He knows how to get there. And the and guys I, in the room think, know how to do it. And I think I think they have a head coach that knows, as as a self-avowed Flames fan, I think they have a coach who knows who's. Uh, it it wouldn't it wouldn't mean as much to that coach to win anywhere else. And I think no, I think, I think he, that's cares, he cares. This is his team. He loves the Flames. Like he's a fan. Like how often do you get to coach your favorite team? Now he also he said the only two teams he'd come back for were Calgary and the Blackhawks. Because he obviously captained the Blackhawks and has a long-standing relationship with the Chicago. Maybe, maybe, maybe he just likes the pizza there. You know what? I'll give him that. It is deep. They have great pizza there. So do the they Flames, have good beards there? Do they have good beards there, or do they use uh, do they use proper trimmers? Who knows? Who knows? So I think we'll we'll wind down. The, the Flames have two games left in the regular season. They will be playing against uh, Minnesota on Thursday. They'll be playing against. Winnipeg, Winnipeg, a city that has no airport, on Friday, so they have to take a bus from Minnesota. To, We're just kidding. On your pedal bike. We're just kidding, Minnesota, Winnipeg. We know you have an airport. It has a Tim Hortons in it. It's very nice, uh, and recently renovated airport actually. So uh, the next time we talk, Shane, it'll be between games one and two, I think. Cool. We'll see. You and me talk. You and me talk every day. The next time the folks listen to us. We'll be uh, we'll be mid playoffs. The rest of the time, to... the rest of the time isn't worth listening to. Uh, yeah, but yeah it'll be uh, next next week. Uh, in it'll be recorded next Wednesday after game one, before, and you can listen to this before game two. It's gonna be fascinating. I'm really excited to see how it unfolds. We'll see. Uh, as per usual, we're brought to you by DoorDash and Oak Ridge Distilleries, Rupert's Whiskey, Facial Whiskey, the Calgary Flames. Go ahead and get it. Make sure that your uh, your coolers, your liquor cabinet, your snack mix make sure everything's packed up and ready to go uh the expectation right now i believe is game one will probably be tuesday game two will probably be thursday and then there will be a saturday game probably uh if you're wondering when the schedule is coming out more likely than not the schedule will be coming out we think late night friday maybe overnight saturday so as soon as the last usually like as soon as the last matchup is determined which could happen tonight 
Yeah. Dallas the, Queen. The, the no, what will end up it'll they usually release it like basically officially they'll be released once the uh, the last game has been played. Uh, excluding Winnipeg versus Seattle on the first because that won't matter for playoff seedings. Uh, and because if you're the TV partners, you're going to be very mad if people find out when the games are the day before. So uh, they have to let people know early to figure well, they out. might They might start doling out series that they know are going to happen, like Toronto-Tampa. So I've, they've announced series earlier before, too. They, they've done that. Things, so they things will start trickling out. So your best bet is to, if you don't follow Pat Steinberg, shame on you. But make sure you follow Pat Steinberg because he, as usual, have all those delicious, tasty scoops. Uh, and yeah, next time we talk to you guys, it'll be playoff season. So again, uh, if you if you have tickets, uh, the games are sold out. So make sure you go and have fun. Uh, go to Red Mile, if, baby. If you, if you don't have tickets, the the Flames for the home games are hosting a uh, a, a fan festival outside. I think they're calling it the Red Lot. It's Red only Lot. for the home yeah. games. So uh, if for the road games, find a nice uh, place either in your home or somewhere in uh, the greater Calgary area with your Flames friends to go watch the game. Cause it's, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's playoff season. It's uh, especially if you go out there, if they've got a series lead, I bet you the red mile will be pretty popping bike. We'll uh, see. If they we'll have see. a two nothing or a three, one lead of any as, kind. As, if, if, as, if. as I said on the radio this week, the, the you, know, you got to win 16. And that's what I said. The one shift. The you, next you, shift is what you, matters. You start off 16 with one. And then you try to get four, but the one is the important one because it's the first one. And I think uh, if, if they get one and then one turns into two or three, I think people will start to uh, start feeling some, some excitement, but yeah, playoffs are exciting. Uh, so make sure everybody you know, take care of each other and have fun, enjoy responsibly. Uh, and, you know, uh, we're coming out again, we said this last week, we're coming out of a very, let's just say weird and use that word very liberally, very weird time in modern human history. So, you know, just try to have fun, try to enjoy yourself, do it in whatever way you feel comfortable and, uh, you know, enjoy yourselves and be good to each other because this is, you know, it's sports, it's meant to be fun. So try to have some fun and be around people who want to have fun. Enjoy the roller coaster, people. It's the, the emotions are what we're here for. Yeah, time to strap in. So for Shane, I'm Ryan. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you guys in a week for playoff season. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.